This evening, we're looking, we're looking at Revelation 18, which is in the middle of a series of passages here about Babylon and its fall. So let's please give attention to the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas! Alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. 
and all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of a bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and of all who have been slain on earth. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would teach us from your word, that you would teach us especially as we look here at the fall of Babylon, that we would know that you are sovereign, you are in control, and that you protect your people. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we look at Revelation 18, we see now closer the fall of the mighty city of Babylon that we had heard about in chapter 17 as the beast and the other enemies of the Lord actually wind up turning on Babylon, the great prostitute, the the one who seeks to draw the people of God away from the Lord. But here in chapter 18, we have a great description, almost a great poem or song of lament over the destruction of this city. It is a destruction that is sudden and swift, and it is a destruction that is is so total that it shocks us. We are completely unaware of how this will happen. It is a destruction that comes without notice, but it is not without the plan of God. And this is a great comfort to the people of God because as we will see, Babylon represents the great false system of the world, the enemy of God that seeks to gain control and power over God's creation. And God is not about to let that happen. This is a great comfort to the people of God because as we look out and about amongst us, it seems at times that the world is spinning out of control, that someone else is trying to gain control of the world from God. And we wonder how that will affect us and our lives. So what I would like us to see here very briefly this evening are four things about 
this fall of Babylon. First, I would like us to see a declaration of destruction that is made against Babylon. A declaration of destruction. And then secondly, we will see a signal to separate. A signal given to the people of God to separate out from Babylon and all that she is. Third, we will see a lamentation of the lost. As those who sought to profit from Babylon. Those who desired to be around her and about her. Lament the destruction that has come. And then finally, we will see the rejoicing of the righteous as the people of God rejoice in the victory of the Lord. Well, let's begin then by looking at this declaration of destruction at verse 1. John sees yet another angel coming down from heaven. Now, who is this angel? It is another angel, so there must be a first angel for us to look back to. And we see the first angel in the beginning of chapter 17. (coughs) The one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of wrath. And now we see yet another angel coming down from heaven in addition to the one who has poured out wrath. And this angel comes down and makes an authoritative proclamation. He speaks with a mighty voice, with great authority he has, and he declares that Babylon is fallen. You see, in verse 2, when it says that this angel speaks with a mighty voice, this is not just about volume. It doesn't mean the angel with a bullhorn or the angel with a big set of lungs. It's not just about the volume of speech. It's about the authority of it. You know this just in your own families, don't you? Parents have a a manner of speaking to their children, even a manner of request or command that is at one level. But then there's another level you can take it to, isn't there? There's a level of your voice, perhaps it's volume, perhaps it's sternness, Perhaps it's even a terseness in which children know, okay, mom really means business here. (laughs) I have to really pay attention to dad. It's because there's authority in it. It's not because there's anger or wrath, but because there's authority. And that's what's happening here with the angel. This angel wants to make sure we know what is going on. That's why he repeats twice, fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Now, this is also interesting because in speaking with great authority, the angel talks about the things that have happened to Babylon. This is interesting because at this point, Babylon is not fallen. This is something still to come. But it is so certain in the mind of God, so certain in the decrees of God, that the angel declares it is something that has already been done. This is something we see often in the prophets in the Old Testament. It's actually called a prophetic past. It's because what God says will happen is so absolutely certain that you don't even need to talk about it in the future tense. 
Isn't that a great comfort for us as we look and hear the prophecies and promises of God? You see, the resurrection is so certain that we can speak of it almost as a thing accomplished. It is not something that is ever in doubt. Our forgiveness of sins is again so certain, that promise of God, that we can speak about it as a thing completely past, even though we know that we are still living our lives and still sinning. But we know we are what? We already are forgiven. It's not that we will be forgiven. We are in a state of being forgiven. And so this is what the angel brings here to this world. It's also a speech that is steeped in Old Testament imagery. The actual line from verse 2, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, is a direct quote from Isaiah 21, verse 9. And all of these descriptions of how horrible a destruction has been wreaked on Babylon come from the Old Testament about being a dwelling place for demons and a dwelling place for unclean birds. We see this in Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 34 and in the book of Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. So we need to pay attention to what is happening here. And what is happening in simple terms is that Babylon is being completely wiped out. There is nothing left. It is a desolate place. It actually could be described in our own vernacular. Babylon, the teeming great city of the ages, is now a ghost town. It's a haunt for demons and the dead. Can you picture the tumbleweeds rolling? It's as if you've seen these apocalyptic movies where New York City that is teeming with people and lights and buildings and sounds and then after some apocalyptic event there are just cars sitting empty in the streets with weeds growing in them. Animals running through empty streets. Plants rolling. The city is completely void of life. That's what's happened to Babylon. Babylon's fall is complete. And this fall is complete because God has brought it about. You see, this angel comes down from heaven and he comes down making the entire earth bright with his glory. Now, this is the only passage in all of Revelation where the word glory is not specifically tied to either God or the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this is the case because the angel comes down from heaven and he brings the glory of God with him to the earth. It's to show that there is no glory like the Lord's glory. There is no power like the Lord's power. The world and all that it has to offer is nothing compared to the Lord. There is a comprehensive destruction that has come upon Babylon because the Lord has decreed it. And then we see in verse 4 another, or we hear another voice from heaven. It is a signal to the people of God to separate out from Babylon. Come out from her, my people, lest you take part 
in her sins, lest lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, who is this voice? Is it the angel? Well, would an angel declare that the people of God are his people? Could an angel say, my people? I don't think so. Perhaps it's God. Except for we see in verse 5 that God is referred to in the third person. God remembered her iniquities. So who can this loud voice be that declares, come out from Babylon? I think it could be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is important because when the Lord Jesus speaks to us, we must obey. This is Again, a repetition of an Old Testament motif when the people of God were in exile in Babylon. And that exile period was over. The Lord called them out. He said, come out, come out, my people. And here now the Lord Jesus Christ says to those in Revelation, but also to you and to me, we must come out of Babylon. This is a wonderful example and a help to us to think about how we interact with the world. Our Lord Jesus told us that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. One author puts it well. He says, it's okay for the church to be in the world, but not okay for the world to be in the church. And you see, Jesus here is calling for us not to have a different location, not to have a different place, but a different perspective, a different mindset. You see, it's not a physical change of location, it is a change of heart and mind that we are not to be found in the world in a worldly sense. We are not to share in what they delight in, not to share in what they rejoice in, what they believe is glorious. We are called out of the world. Now, this does not excuse us to hide somewhere in a corner of the world and to keep the gospel hidden up. Because we are still called to be out in the world to have the church expand. But the call here is to be safe, to be in the control and power of God, and to be pure, to follow the call of Jesus. Because you see, what Babylon represents is the pursuit, the all-consuming pursuit of wealth, of money. It's really that simple. It's all about money. Now, Babylon does not represent the possessing of money. You know, many people like to misquote the scriptures and say that money is the root of all evil. Is it? No, it is not. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Because the love of money is a replacing of God. Even as we saw this morning, the love of money is, a, is saying to oneself, I will be in control, I will provide, I don't need God. And that's what Babylon is all about, replacing God, being idolatrous. And Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon. 
You cannot serve the Lord and Babylon. This is something that not everyone understands. Because the lost here do not understand what is wrong. They begin now to to weep and lament. Do you see? Here, beginning at verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, that is Babylon, they'll weep and wail over her. And it's repeated over and over again in verse 11. The merchants of the earth weep and mourn. And again in verse 15, the merchants of these wares, they are weeping and mourning aloud. And the shipmasters in verse 17, they are crying out. You see, all of those who depend on Babylon for their own self-sufficiency, self-importance, now see a great loss. There is a loss of power. The king's see that Babylon is gone and they are no longer useful for their own power. There is a loss of safety, as others believe now that destruction will come upon them. And you see, these are the things and the times that get our attention. It's foxhole religion. When we see great danger in front of us, then... We begin to think about spiritual things. Then we begin to think about the challenges that are before us. But otherwise, life just keeps rolling along. You sell all sorts of wares. Do you find it interesting that this list that is listed in verses 11 through 13 is so comprehensive? All sorts of materials, gold, silver, jewels, all sorts of cloth all sorts of wood, all sorts of spices. Everything under the sun was available. Babylon was the mecca of all malls and shopping centers. It was a place where anything you wanted could be yours and any money you needed could be had by you selling. It was a place where if that was your main purpose in life, you could be happy. But for one thing, That is not the purpose of life. There is no real satisfaction found in getting and obtaining, whether it's silver or gold or money or cloth or wood or whatever. This is a lesson to us. Are you seeking today after something that you just feel you have to have? Now, the easy answer is, are you, are you seeking after just more money? Well, no, I understand stewardship principles. No, I, I'm about more than money. Okay. Are you about more than golf? Are you about more than college football? Are you about more than music? Are you about more than children? Do any of those things give you your worth? Do you gain your worth by how many children you have or do not have? By how many things you have in your possession? By how new and safe your car is? By how big and luxurious your house is? By how many and varied your degrees are? You see, all of these are the temptations of Babylon. They meet us at different places. 
But you see, we can only find our sufficiency in the Lord. And that is why when Babylon actually falls, falls with a great and mighty crash, a swift crash in but one hour, it is the righteous who begin to rejoice. Do you see this here in verse 20? Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. The righteous rejoice because they are vindicated. Do you fear sometimes when life is just a mess? That maybe you made the wrong choice? That maybe you'd find better satisfaction and safety and purpose in life outside of God? When so many out there tell us that that is the place where safety and satisfaction is found. I think especially of young people. As you grow and as you begin to go off to college, that will be the gospel of many universities. You need to leave behind old-fashioned ways of thinking, unscientific ways of thinking, illogical ways of thinking. You need to experience life. You need to go out and about. That's where you will find great satisfaction. But you see, Revelation 18 gives us an anchor, a sure anchor of the soul to know that only in the Lord is true safety and satisfaction found. That in the end, that choice will be vindicated. That as we follow the Lord, we will see in black and white, as it were, that it is there that life is found. And to look elsewhere is a complete loss. Because not only is Babylon destroyed, it is destroyed with great violence. Look here at verse 21. A mighty angel, yet another angel, takes up a stone like a great millstone and throws it into the sea. And he says, this is the way that Babylon will be destroyed with great violence. Now, I want you to picture this in your mind's eye because Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's like the comic book of the Bible with big, bold colors and big bubbles with words and and action writ large. And I want you to imagine a strong angel taking up a huge boulder and heaving it out into the ocean. And as it hits, the gigantic splash that explodes. And then what happens to that stone? Does it bob? Does that kind of a stone skip along the surface? Some of you young men have skipped stones, haven't you? That's a lot of fun. And you have to get the right kind of stone, don't you? It has to be light and flat. And you have to throw it in such a way that you want it to skip. If you get too heavy a stone and you just heave it, what happens? It just goes down in, plunk. Can you get it back? No. Why? Because it's at the bottom. It's never to be seen again. And that's what's happening here to Babylon. And do you see here in verses 21, 22, and 23, the word picture that John gives to us? He says, he speaks about the city and the harpists and the craftsmen and the light. Do you see? But what he keeps repeating will be found no more. 
Found no more. Found no more. Found no more. It's like an echo fading even out of our memory. No more will Babylon or anything be found again. See, the victory of the Lord is not temporary. It is permanent. This is where it is difficult for us to remember or think about as we think about warfare here on earth. It seems like there's always another enemy to be faced, doesn't it? How many of you, when you heard the news of the American-born Al-Qaeda cleric being killed by a drone, thought, well, that's the end of the whole war on terror. Or how many of you, your next thought was, I wonder who's going to jump up in his place. I wonder who's next in line. Now, you may think, well, they're weaker now, but are they gone? No. But when God wins, he wins completely. There is no enemy left. There's nothing to be feared. It is complete and total victory. And that is what we look forward to, and that is what we long for. Complete victory. And that is why we can rejoice. Because God has vindicated His people. He has avenged their martyrdom. And He has defeated a world system that is hostile to our Lord Jesus Christ. And to you and me. The call this evening is to recognize this world system for what it is. A desire to supplant God. To replace Him with something else that we can control. And as soon as we understand that, no matter what it is, we will be able to understand that God has better for us that the Lord has redeemed us from that, that He has even redeemed those sinful thoughts in the death of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see this even today. As you go out into the world this week, remember that you are to be in the world and not of the world. That you are to be light and salt. That you are to be hope and comfort that you are not to buy into a system that desires to devour and eat. But rather, we are called to shine as beacons, to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We do this for His glory, to see the victory of the Lamb. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have redeemed us for a purpose, that we might know you, that we might serve you. We ask, Lord, this evening that you would remind us of this, that we might follow after you. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship that you will provide for us this evening. We thank you for the food that we are about to partake of, that you would bless it to our bodies, that you would strengthen us, that we would seek your will and follow after you. We ask all of this in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.